Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 132, The Impersonal Nature of Thought, part one. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome back to Changeable. I have a two-parter for you, part one today and part two will go out next week. Um, And we could probably do a million parts on this topic. And in fact, how many episodes are there? I've probably done 131 parts already (laughs) that, that the impersonal nature of thought or the impersonal nature of life, or the impersonal nature of everything, uh, all all saying the same thing, I think is kind of the thread that runs through all of these episodes, everything I talk about, everything that I think is freeing and um, expansive for us human beings. It's certainly been that for me personally. And um, yeah, and I've seen it be this, be that, be freeing and expansive and like just a gigantic opening for so, 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 so many people. So what do I mean by this? The impersonal nature of thought. Um, Basically, just what it says that what we think and feel and experience, all the same thing. So our, our experience of life isn't about us. It, it isn't inherently meaningful and it isn't telling us something about who we are. And there are many entryways, like this is a huge conversation and it's, you know, I think this is maybe the most helpful thing for pretty much anyone to see. And the, the language I'm using, I'll just put this out there, like the language I'm using, the impersonal nature of thought and, and more on an individual level in terms of what you think and feel and do, seeing that that doesn't mean anything about you. It's not personal. It's thought arising. It's feeling showing up, feeling and thought and behavior arising or showing up. And it's not meaningful when it comes to who you are. Um, that That's just one kind of way of talking about it. You know, it's one vantage point, I guess, that looks at us in our in our identity as, hum- as separate human beings and looks at our experience. And this same conversation, if we want to back it up even further, you know, it, it, we're not saying anything, I'm not saying anything different than if someone were to say, um, you know, that everything is impersonal or that there is no person for things to be personal about. You know, there is no there is no I, that that's an idea and that's a set of thoughts as well. So I just want to put that out there that it's, this isn't different from any of that. And I, I what I've seen um, in my years of looking toward this is that, that that whole conversation, that whole direction, I guess, has a lot of different ends and a lot of ways we can talk about it. And it doesn't matter how you talk about it. I like talking about it as if I'm talking to a a separate identity, I know I'm not, but from that vantage point of, hey, I'm me and I have all this experience that causes all this suffering that just starts to back people out of that a little bit so they can open up to a bigger way. 
other people like talking about it from other places and other perspectives. And that's great. It doesn't matter. I don't think it's all, uh, it's all looking in the exact same incredibly freeing, (laughs) incredibly freeing direction. So, um, for me, I think, you know, the first time I remember having this idea that my experience wasn't about me or it wasn't mine. I'm not saying this is the first time it happened, but the first time I remember it happening was when I initially read Brain Over Binge. And that was somewhere around 2008-ish or so. I don't even know. Um, It was a long time ago. And hearing Catherine talk about just how the brain worked, how how we innocently kind of... uh, program our brains to put out what we might call urges, just which is just experience with a label on it. But this experience that felt so uncomfortable that our mind comes in and says, go eat to make this go away. Um, seeing that those urges don't mean anything about who we are, that if anyone sees it a particular way and does the same sort of things that I did or that any binge eater in the world does, our brain's going to give us that experience. Our brain is just a machine that just does what it's programmed to do. And there was something in that um, that was just life-changing, life-changing. It went, you know, initially I just saw it around binge eating, which was amazing, but it quickly went far beyond that to like, wow. So I just have a a brain, which is just biology. We all have biology, right? My biology is just doing stuff. And here I have been all these years thinking that it meant something, like it meant that I was doing it wrong or that I was broken or that there was something wrong with me or, you know, I mean, oh, the stories, the stories that come up to explain biology, human biology that we all have. And we all have the sense that we aren't in charge of our biology, although we for sure have a lot of stories about it. Um, you know, there is just so much, so much freedom in that. And then I remember, um, I think it was shortly after I wrote Being Human. So it was maybe another five years after that. And not even, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember time. Um, but it was it was sometime after that, uh, reading a book called... Um, it's on the recommended reading list in the Little School of Big Change. I don't know the name, but it's either The Lazy Man's Way to Enlightenment, The Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment. There are books with both titles. And the second one kind of riffed off the title of the first one purposely. So anyway, both of those books are are real. They're books. Um, it was one of those. It was the second one of those that I read. And basically the guy, I don't even remember what was said, but basically the guy kind of said something along the lines of, um, you know, your experience, your thoughts aren't yours. And it, again, from this little opening, big opening, really, that this crack that had formed um, around seeing how my brain just did what it did and I took credit for it around binge eating, with that crack formed, I mean, this was just like another gigantic earthquake that just blew it open. Like, oh, nothing we experience is ours. It's not us. It's not about us. And, you know, I've talked about that and there's podcasts about that over and over and over again. Um, but it's so huge. 
I mean, it is so huge. And so, so it's like a snowball rolling down a hill, gathering more snow and getting bigger as it goes. Like the, the first crack happened, the second crack make it, made it even bigger. Now there's like a massive snowball. And from there, it feels like just all the people that I'm so blessed to talk with and hear from all the time, everyone I see in my personal life, like every movie I watch, all of it, it's just become more and more and more clear. Oh, we just feel stuff and think stuff. And then our mind tells a story that takes credit for it and makes it personal. And what's become just as clear alongside of that is that when our mind is taking credit and making our experience personal, telling us that our experience is personal, we will suffer without question, without doubt, even when the experience is quote unquote positive. So of course we know if we if we feel shame or fear or, or whatever, and we think, oh, this is about me, it means this about me, we, we know we're going to suffer then. But even when we feel pride or gratitude or love or peace or joy or any of that, when there's a story that says this is about you, you earned this or you got this, you know, you're feeling this way for this reason, whatever that story might be that makes it personal, we're going to suffer then too. We might not suffer immediately, but you know how it goes because you have a mind that does this too. As soon as, you know, we get the praise or the great feeling or whatever it is, our mind instantly goes to work looking at what it's going to be like when that feeling leaves and how do I get more of this feeling? And oh, why did it happen to me? I must be special. Or why doesn't happen to me as much as it happens to that guy over there? So whenever there's a personal thread to our experience, we will suffer sooner or later. So you can see why this feels pretty important. (laughs) Like, you know, it's kind of the biggest conversation there is, I think, to see, oh my gosh, like life just shows up and, and it isn't about us and it doesn't mean something about us. Um, it's just huge. And so, uh, I've been writing about this because it is sort of the theme of my book, um, the book that I wanted to call, That's Just What Minds Do, because I wanted to, it's not, that's not the title of the book, but that's what I wanted the title to be because it was the phrase, and it's the name of a podcast episode too, it's just the phrase that captures this the most. Like, oh, that's just what minds do. They make it all about you. Oh, that's just what minds do. They they calculate and count and compare and problem solve and make everything really dramatic and, you know, all the things that minds do that have us feeling like it's so personal. We don't see that, oh, that's just what biology does. That's just what a brain does. That's just what a mind does. We tend to see it at that level of me and my biology and my mind. And that's when we really start to suffer. So, and in talking about uh, that's just what minds do, I talked about it from all these different angles, from a spiritual perspective, from a brain science perspective, all over the place. Um, and I just, I don't know. I'm just, I just feel like this is such an important conversation to keep having. So what I thought I would do is in this part one, read you the preface to the book. Now, um, 
let me say that the, this has not been edited. So I'm 100% sure, as, as sure as I can be, I may be wrong, I'd be happy to be wrong, but I'm probably not, <laughs> that as I read this out loud, now I've read it, I've, I've made it as good as I can make it, and now it's, it's off to be uh, gets a little bit of professional editing, which it badly needs, the whole book. Um, but it hasn't had that yet. And I'm pretty sure that as I read it out loud, I'm probably going to like change a few things in my head. And, it, you know, so just just take that for what it's worth. Uh, it's This is pretty close, I'm guessing, to what the actual preface is going to sound like. But the reason I want to read this is because, again, it it's my way of kind of speaking to why this is important, that the more we see that our experience is not about us, that there is an explanation behind how and why things happen and that we aren't part of it. Our little identity, who we are as a person, our future, what we deserve, what's coming for us, none of that has any role in this. That's all just more thinking. It, there's, there's enormous potential for just this feeling of ease and freedom that comes when we start peeling back all of this stuff that can look so incredibly personal. So I'll read the preface um, and then in the follow-up uh, part two of this episode, um, I want to go through some stories, because some, some examples, because there's there are a couple, there are a ton, but there are a couple um, really clear examples that I've seen recently of how someone feels something, experiences something, instantly their mind comes in and says, oh, it's because I'm this kind of person. It's because I'm different from other people or I've always been this way or I'm too sensitive or I'm too this or too that. And how when our mind does that and we believe it, how that takes us off in one direction. And again, it's a direction full of suffering. And how our mind can come in and say those same things because it probably always will to some degree. But when we see that it's not that, when we can experience the exact same experience, have the same life showing up, but it doesn't look so personal how that ushers us off down a different hallway and we have a totally different experience that isn't full of suffering. And I just think, oh, I don't know. I'm just getting excited even talking about that. I mean, I just feel like this is such, such a, a important, like high leverage kind of conversation to have because really it's like behind this door, we're going to struggle. Behind that door, we're going to be human. We're going to feel stuff. We're going to like it. We're going to not like it and all of that. But we're not going to think it means something so deep and true about who we are. And that makes a world of difference. Okay. So let me read you this preface. Uh, I may interrupt myself to make some edits. We'll see how this goes (laughs) and then we'll take it from there. So um, I've been listening to people tell me about their struggles, fears, insecurities, insights, hopes, and wishes for as long as I can remember. First as the friend that everyone loved to confide in, Later, as a neighbor, as the neighborhood bartender, following that as a social psychologist, and for the past 15 years as a professional coach and teacher. I've had thousands of private coaching conversations, run hundreds of group coaching sessions, and lead an online school and community where I hear from people from all over the world every day. A funny thing happens when you hear the innermost thoughts and feelings of that many people that often over that many years. You see that we're all the same. Demographics, childhood, and life experiences don't make us fundamentally different. 
Those might impact what we talk about, but they don't impact the fact that our mind talks just like everyone else's. Beyond the surface layer of always shifting story and opinion, we all work in the same way. Our minds spit out repetitive stories. They love to replay the past and predict the future. Our minds have strong opinions that feel solid and meaningful, but are always changing and contradicting themselves. Our minds love drama and exaggeration. They relate everything back to the person they inhabit. Our minds' worlds revolve around us. Minds love certainty and efficiency. They create our identities and then work like crazy to protect their creation. When we see how our mind works, it becomes easier to not take it so personally or seriously. Its habitual stories, complaints, fears, and criticisms move to the background. Our awareness shifts from the content of our moment-to-moment experience to something quieter and deeper that lies beyond our moment-to-moment experience. We live less in the stories and details of what our mind is saying and more in the recognition that a mind is talking and a whole new world beyond the habitual hum of thought opens up. Years of day, sorry, Yeah, years of day in and day out listening has shown me that without exception, we're all the same. Only the details are different and the details aren't nearly as relevant or meaningful as we think they are. It's shown me that without exception, we are all fundamentally well. When we think our mind stories mean something solid about who we are, we suffer. When we see the truth and we glimpse the space that lies beyond those thought-created stories, we suffer far less. One of the phrases I find myself saying most often is, that's just what minds do. Minds compare and worry and project and judge. They label and criticize and fear and complain. All 8 billion of them, different details, same process. When we see that the machine in our head is just doing what the machine in a head does, everything changes. Habits and anxiety begin to fall away. Insecurities and self-judgments look less real. Problems and limitations appear far less solid. As we wake up to the psychological, repetitive nature of the mind, we also get to wake up to who and what is there beyond it. We get to know who we are by knowing what we're not. That's it. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to (laughs) be. Definitely a few little mental notes I took on things I want to change, but maybe not so bad. So I hope you get a feel um, for for that. You know, imagine you've lived with yourself. We've all lived with ourselves and our narrative, our mind stories, our entire lives. We've seen other people. We've watched their mind tell stories about what they're thinking and feeling that that have them at the center of it, what it means about them and what it means about their life and how personal it all is. Imagine us really, really seeing that none of it was ever truly about us. That it truly, truly, I know it's an overused metaphor, overused by me, Um, but it truly, our experience truly isn't as impersonal as the weather. You don't see it raining and say, why me again? Why Why does God hate me so much that he makes it rain on my house all the time? It just doesn't look personal. And And if our thoughts and feelings and inclinations and our behaviors and all of that didn't look so personal, we would experience ourselves in life 
more like we experience weather. It's there. We talk about it for fun, but we don't have any delusions that we're going to change it or that it really is all that powerful or meaningful. And it sure as heck doesn't look like us. It's just what happens. It's just part of life. And so is everything we think and feel. And it's just amazing to start to see that. See it in other people first. Look for it in other people. And that's what we'll do in part two is I'll walk you through a couple examples uh, of a couple just things people are going through, normal people just like us going through stuff. And you'll be able to see how their suffering is so acute because what they're experiencing looks very personal to them. And as a person who's not them, you may be able to, to hear those examples and watch those stories play out and see, oh, this is just like weather showing up in this person. doesn't mean anything about them. And you'll see, hey, when it looks personal, we go, we turn right. And to the right is a world of suffering. And when it starts to look impersonal, we get to turn left. And turning left is a whole new world. It's what we're all here, I believe. If you're listening to this, if you listen to this podcast, it's what you are already far down the path of exploring. And what we all want to see more about is what is it like to be in this world without it all being about us? So much freedom there. So thanks for listening. Thanks for being the uh, the crash test dummy on my, my book preface. And uh, I'll see you next week in part two. The Little School of Big Change has helped thousands of people find freedom from habits, anxiety, and so much more for almost four years. Please join me along with several Little School of Big Change grads where they'll tell you exactly how their change happened. You'll hear recent grads talk about how the Little School of Big Change helped them with eating habits, anxiety, depression and moods, health and pain, sleep issues, and a lot of other things. So join me and my students for this really fun interactive webinar on Thursday, February 4th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. UK. You can register for the free webinar at dramiejohnson.com slash LSBC stories. And I'll put that link in the show notes.